This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Sarah Barry, welcome back to Better Reading. Thanks for having me. I know. So we've got you via Zoom this time, not in, like not in the office as you were last time. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, we're just happy to have you really. Sarah is the author of nine novels, including her best-selling print debut, Secrets of Whitewater Creek, the Hunter's Ridge Trilogy and the Calico Mountain Trilogy. In a past life, while gaining degrees in art, science and education, Sarah worked as a teacher, a vet nurse, a horse trainer and a magazine editor before deciding she wanted to write novels. About the only thing that has remained constant is her love of all things crime. Well, there's a bit of animal love in there as well, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A farm full of animals here that take up way too much of my time. Okay. I want to talk about them. Her latest novel, Vendetta, follows Lexi Winter as she goes undercover to infiltrate a motorcycle club on the wrong side of the law. Okay. I mean, motorcycle clubs are usually on the wrong side of the law, aren't they? Well, some of them are. I mean, some of them are, are great people too. I mean, are I've they? known a lot, yeah. a lot of bikies who just want to you know, have some fun with their mates and enjoy their, their bikes. But, yeah. you know, you get those one percenters and, yeah, they can be a bit yeah. of trouble. The only reason I say that, I don't know anything about motorbikes at all, mm-hmm. but where I live, there was a motorcycle group head office, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and one night somebody bombed it. Oh. Yeah, and it flicked cars. Like if you were driving up Parramatta Road at the time, your car flipped on its head. So I think that happened to two or three cars. But apparently the blast was so significant that people felt it in their homes and thought it was a tremor. Oh, and wow. so people were ringing me because I was probably the physically the closest, although I was still quite a way away from it, and ringing me to see if I was okay. And did I hear it? No, I slept all the way. I slept oh, right through. Wow. <laughs> I'm a really good sleeper. However, That's what it. I noticed the next day when I drove past there is hundreds of motorcycle people, you know, wearing their jackets and their bike, mm. all there to help put that place together, carrying bricks, wow. carrying this. Yeah, extraordinary. Anyway, that's my experience of motorbikes. Right. Yes. Well, you've certainly had an exciting experience of motorbikes. <laughs> and occasionally I've um, I've been on one, but with someone and I've really enjoyed them. Sure. Yeah. Mm. Now, what made you write about that? Uh, look, I needed to fill in a lot of Lexi's background. Obviously, she's very good with computers and someone with her background would have had very limited opportunity to be that good with computers and that the most likely scenario would have been working with an outlaw motorcycle gang because the prevalence of uh, cybercrime within those organisations is just so huge. Is that Uh, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that was her very best chance of being as good as she was and being able to do what she could do. Mm. 
So we're talking about, you know, and before we hit record as well, we were talking Mm -hmm. about how busy you are and closing the Mm -hmm. doors so no kids come in. And tell me about how it is, what your daily life looks like. And we talk, I want to talk about animals and, and how it is that you try and do how you make time for your full-time job, which I imagine is right (laughs) amongst all the others. Yes. Well, the farm work has to start early. We breed animals for, for hobbyists, basically. So we have everything from chickens right through to cattle, sheep, goats, ducks, horses, pigs, you know, you name it, we've got it. They all need feeding and looking after every morning and afternoon. So that that gets done early and late. In between, sometime the kids have to go to school. You know, we also have an orchid nursery here, which is, is pretty full on at some times wow. of the year. Um, my husband works from home, which means he's down in the middle of the day as well. I try and do a little bit of housework, but it's certainly not not a lot gets done. So I don't invite a lot of people over. And then the writing just kind of happens around all of that generally. So is there a set time? Is there like you think, okay, 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try and do 2,000 words or 1,000 words. Tell me how you approach the writing. Yeah, generally it'll be around half past nine when I get home from dropping the kids off and then I'll write through till about half past 12 and hubby's down for lunch. I don't get a lot of time after that, so then it's generally if I can sit down around about 8.30 at night and just go until I don't. Sometimes I get time on the weekends as well, Yeah. Um, but nowhere near is enough, <laughs> generally speaking. Our school yeah. holidays can be good. I don't have, it takes about two hours a day to get the kids to and from school as well. So I don't have that. If I can lock myself away, I can, I do, but of course all the other farm jobs need to be done. So mm-hmm. when I'm really lucky, um, I actually pack up and go for a few days somewhere like a motel or something like that. If I'm really pushed for time and everyone rallies around and does my work for me and lets me get finished. So um, essentially it's- you've got three jobs. You've got writing, you've got mm-hmm. looking after the children. Do you do most of that? Yes. Yes. And then you've got the animals. The animals, yeah. Yeah, that's a third job. Yeah, and helping with the orchids as well. Oh, right, four jobs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, often, I, I admire people like you um, that get so much done in a day. I feel as though when I talk to some writers and because so many people are stealing there are the lucky ones that can write full time, right? Mm. And that's all they do. But they're, as you know, and I know, they're few and far between. That's right. And a lot of the writers that I, t- I talk to, they're trying to steal time, if you like, to write. Yes, absolutely. And that's a discipline in itself. I mean, it's usually either early morning or late at night. And mm-hmm. I sometimes when I walk away from those conversations, I think, mm, mm, that's that's just not me. That's why I'm not creative, I think. <laughs> I think you've really got to want to do it. Yeah. Tell me but how you came to it. I I was one of those kids that always loved reading and, and writing myself little stories, but I was a primary school teacher for a long time, well, amongst other things, as you know, and I had to stop doing all of those things when I became um, pregnant with my first child. I needed something to do at home and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And a very good friend of mine who was in the horse industry died and I just wrote a little article about her that got published and the publisher of the magazine rang me up and actually asked me if I'd like to work for them. And so I started writing articles and then I became an ed- the editor of that magazine and it kind of just snowballed from there. I met other writers. I actually met Taya Cooper mm-hmm. and she encouraged me to write. You lived nearby. 
Yeah, not too far away from each other, actually. And she encouraged you to write? For a competition for the RWA, the Romance Writers. And I did, and that ended up being published, and that's really how it all got started. Mm. I want to talk about going back to your earlier careers because you've done quite a bit of study as well, haven't you? Mm -hmm. So you've always been a busy person. So teaching, I studied and I didn't finish it because I wasn't, I just didn't like it. I studied to be a, a primary school teacher as well, and I only I only got to the second year mm-hmm. um, because one I decided I didn't like children, and uh, <laughs> good reason. <laughs> good reason. <laughs> and the supervisor noticed, right? And sure. I think that that was the best life advice I ever got because she said to me at that time she was supervising some prackos doing. She said, mm, maybe, maybe because where I was, there was a bookshop. Maybe you want to go up and work in the bookshop for the summer and see how you go. And maybe you don't <laughs> want to come back to this. Um, but do you know the other thing that really hit hard on me at that job is that it's very, very hard. Teaching is very, very hard. And one of the things that I think is hard about it is from my experience is one, you can't go out for, in my job, I'm not on for eight hours a day or six hours a day like teachers are, right? Particularly primary school, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, high school people equally hard work, but they get periods, you know, whereas primary school, I felt that I was in the same premise for six, you know, I couldn't go out and get a coffee. I couldn't ring my friend. I couldn't go and pay the water bill or whatever. It is really a difficult job. It's like being a surgeon, you know, you're looking over somebody for seven hours or six hours. And so you're on really for that many hours. Whereas if I look at the work that I've done over the years, maximum on for an hour, Mm -hmm. you know, it's different, isn't it? It's very different. And not only are you on for that amount of time, you have 20 or 30 little Mm. ones that all need your attention constantly. Mm. And it is, it's really draining. And then you go home and you're still focused on them in other ways because you're planning your lessons and you're marking their work. And you, you know, you're wondering how to structure the next lessons to to fit each and every child and absolutely earn every cent as a teacher. Oh, I agree. Totally. And also you worry about them because I can imagine there's always one or two kids in the class that you might worry about. I mean, a lot of my friends are teachers and my sister is a high school teacher and she's a vice principal, but Mm. you know, they worry about whether the kids get lunch or dinner. You know, they're worried about other things other than education. Mm, Absolutely. And Mm. it's getting harder and harder, I Mm. think. And there's more and more, there seems to be more and more behavioural issues within the classroom Mm. as well and more restrictions on teachers on how to deal with those things. And I I certainly don't think I could go back to it. Mm, It is. It's really tough. So then you became, did you work in a vet as a vet nurse? Yes, I was a vet nurse for about five years, I think. Yeah. And how was that? It was very rewarding. Yeah. But again, really long hours and I just got too sad too often. You know, there was all the lovely stories, but I ended up adopting all the animals that people came in to put down. I paid for surgeries that I shouldn't have paid. Like I just. um, (laughs) So you got broke. I was a rescuer. (laughs) (laughs) Gina, I don't know why I'm laughing because um, a couple of weeks ago, I think it's two weeks ago today. It was a Monday anyway. I had to put John Brown down. My dog. I know. I'm so sorry. I heard. It's so hard. It's so hard, Sarah. You know, uh-huh. but you know, I came home. It was late at night because he was 17 and a half, right? So that's it was going to happen. Wonderful life. Yeah, yeah. And he was a Maltese poodle. I, that's a long life. You it know? is very long. And I came home. I'd been to dinner and I came home. And 
I'd been conflicted about doing it. Like it's such a hard thing to do, as you of know. Of course, always. Um, and then some, one, this woman said to me in the park, you know what, Cheryl, when it's time, you'll know. You'll know. You'll know when it's time. And, you know, I walked in that night. I knew, right? Yeah. And so I wrapped him up and I put him in the car that night and I went to the Sydney University vet because it's 24 hours and I'm getting getting to vet nurses here. And, you know, I was crying so much. I was so... When I reflect on that time and I think about it, I never said one word. They knew. Yeah. I never yeah. spoke a word. I couldn't get a word out. I was crying so much. Yeah. And they never asked me to either. They knew what was happening. They looked at his age. They knew, you know. And, and so I'm very grateful for that. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just, again, I walked away from that job. Well, I got back in my car and I was just a mess. And I thought, what a hard job to do. Because really you're only going to come in the night if something is serious. Although I did hear while I was sitting there in all my tears that two dogs were there to have their stomach pumped because I'd eaten chocolate. Yes. <laughs> Naughty dogs. <laughs> Yes, a friend of mine's dogs did that last week. Six Toblerones under the tree and got every single one of them. Whoa, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I guess that happens this time of the year. But again, I thought, you know, they're special people. They knew not to talk to, well, they knew I couldn't talk is what they yes, knew. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know who else was a vet? Christos Chalkos. Okay. He was a vet nurse, actually. Yeah. 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 Well, it says wow. a lot about writers, doesn't it? Empathy. Yes. I think, yeah. Well, writers, I think, need empathy for sure. Mm. Better get into mm. the minds and arts of so many characters. And animals so, teach us a lot. They do, don't they? Yeah. Oh, so much. So tell me about writing crime and why crime. Oh, I just love it. I love crime. I love um, looking into the motivations especially of um, the good guys and the bad guys, you know, the heroes and the villains, what makes them tick, what makes them who they are, especially um, that's why I picked Lexi as a heroine for this series because she's so complicated and, you know, she's come from what she's come from and she has so much to overcome. Um, there's such um, scope for her character arc is just amazing. So being able to go into depth, you know, in that way rather than just investigate a crime itself but the people, yeah. I love it. No, you're good at it as well. Thank um, you. I want to ask you a question. Like looking back, being a teacher, being a vet nurse, it kind of brings you to where you are. Like say, for instance, you became a writer first off. Do you think you would have been the same writer that you are now in terms of uh, a fiction writer? 
I think every writer benefits from a broad range of experiences, mm. you know, from just just from life. Mm. Um, you can do a lot of research, um, and it's certainly a really good thing to do. But the more experiences you've had, the more people you've run into, the more different types of people you've run into. I, I think it it certainly um, it builds your library of reference when when you're you know creating your stories, and it gives you very different outlooks. I think. On, on life. So yeah, I think it, it certainly does help. Because mm, mm. you wonder, and a lot of people, all they wanted to do was write, but they had to work to write and well, they had mm-hmm. to work first. And and I always think what, what, what that must bring to a writer. I think it makes you appreciate it more too. Yeah. I guess if it'll come a little bit earlier and um, I hadn't had to do all those other things first, it, I, I might not have appreciated how much this means to me to be able to do it now yeah because I do feel very lucky that I can fit it in and that I am published and that I'm getting to you know explore this career at this time in my life yeah for sure but in a way with everything that's happening around you you're you're still stealing time in a sense aren't you I mean do you actually ever think I can't wait for the days when I'm going to be able to do as much writing as I want to in a day in some ways I do. Um, I think when the kids have finished school, how good will it be not to have to drive them to and from every day? You know, if I cut back on the animals, if we stop reading, you know, how good will it be not to have to do that? But then I think I'll miss all of those things as well. So I can't really decide. I can't really say I want to take anything out of my life. I, I might wish for a couple more extra hours of the day to fit everything in, but that's that's a tough one. I, I debate that with myself. Quite a bit. I can imagine. Yeah, 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 sure. So what book number are we up to with Vendetta? Three. Vendetta's three. Yep. Um, and are you do you do a book a year or a book every um, yes. your schedule? A book a year. Um right. with us usually running late, getting the next one in. But um I'm writing book four now. So it, sh- it that will be into the publisher very shortly. Okay. And so you're promoting a book while you're writing another. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever get a bit confused about where you are and where you are in the world? <laughs> <laughs> when you're writing series, writing series, I have to go back occasionally and make sure that I'm I'm writing, you know, in the right time frame because, or I haven't mentioned this yet, or I have mentioned that, or, you know, because yes, absolutely. Is that, has that character actually been introduced, or am I writing someone in that no one knows what I'm going to talk, be talking about? Because it's a lot. Four books is it covers a, a lot of time, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just have to spend a fair bit of my own time going back and checking that everything's in the right place. Yeah. Sure. And do you ever take a proper holiday? Do you ever, does your mind, and I mean not necessarily physically writing, but does uh-huh. your mind ever stop going into a story? Well, funny, I, I went to Foster last last week and I told myself holiday. I think for a holiday. Yeah. Um, just the beach and time with the kids. And I told myself, I wasn't going to think about this deadline or this book at all. Ended up coming up with the next book. <laughs> so it doesn't completely switch off. Yeah. I didn't mean it. It just, you know, it just popped in there. And so I had to take some very quick notes when no one was looking so that I'd remember what I was going to do after book four. Wow. And so you got the, the gist of the story. Yes. When you were in Foster and yeah. you had a blank slate before that. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Wow. Uh, I don't know why these things happen. I- <laughs> and when that happens, do you then stop immediately and record it? Oh, you know, I do. Write it down. Yeah. Um, well, I've, usually I'll just talk it through on my phone as I think of it. 
Otherwise you forget. And if, you know, mm. if it's a good idea, it doesn't matter how many times you tell yourself you remember, you don't. Mm. So it's worthwhile doing. It only takes mm. a minute. No, that's right. Okay. So you're going to take a break over Christmas and New Year? Not with this deadline, no. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Tell me what that's what 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 are you what are you doing working? Um, well, I need to get this last book for the Lexi Winter series in by the end of January. Right. So that's going to take. That's quite almost a cruel from your publisher, is it? Oh no, she's lovely actually because she's given me the extra month, which I just oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just feel that that extension over the summer period is like, oh my god. <laughs> I know, but I've done it to well, I have done it to myself, but there's nothing really else I can do about it. No, I'm always busy. I'm never just being lazy and not writing. It's just, it's how it happens every year. So, it does it. You're always running late. Always, always running late or very close to running late. Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, doing a book a year is hard work. When and particularly when it's one of four jobs. Mm. Yeah, it is. But I, I like to do that. I work well under pressure. I think I'm not mm. sure that if I had a lot more time, I still wouldn't work the way that I work. I'm just used to that after. 10 or 11 years or whatever it's been that's that's just how I how I write now so and if your kids said to you oh you know mum I want to be a writer mm-hmm. how would you feel about that um look I'd encourage them to do some something else as well for sure <laughs> yeah um, my daughter Emma is insanely good at writing She's better she? much better than I was at her age and I think if she wants to do something you know in that field then that that would be great for her but I also think you need to have something else. You can't bank on writing straight out of school as a career that you're going to, you know, make enough of a living off from the get-go. Mm. But also I think it's a really rewarding career and I, I'd encourage I'd encourage anyone to, to write if they want to write. Just be prepared for all the ups and downs and not to be an instant overnight hit. Mm. That said, some people are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, um, it's more hard work, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I often feel that the people that are an overnight hit, it's a little bit harder for them because when you write your first book, as you know, you're kind of writing it in your own bubble. Like there's yes. no pressure, there's no deadline, you haven't sold it usually. Mm-hmm. You know, did you do you feel that from the first book to where you are at now? Oh, well, absolutely. With Secrets of Whitewater Creek, I wrote that in bits and pieces over about three or four years and just yeah. fiddled, with it, fiddled with it and fiddled with it. And that was just, that wasn't the one I wrote for the competition. That was just one I was never going to publish. I was never going to do anything with. I was just playing around with it for fun. But that ended up being my first properly published print book. And then suddenly it was like, great, I was offered a contract for another one. I had to write that in 12 months. And the pressure was incredible. Not mm. From the publisher, just within myself, I have to write this in 12 months and, it, you know, it has to be good. Going from a hobby to writing professionally, it's a huge jump. Mm. Absolutely. Did you and do any kind of um, courses where you were learning craft or you just um, walked straight into it? I did a couple. I did a few little short courses mm. um, once I'd won that competition just so that because I didn't have any clue what I was really doing. Yeah, and I wanted to polish secrets up because they asked if I'd I'd written anything else, and I thought I don't want to send this in unless I've spoken to someone that has a clue what what should be in it and how it should be structured and all of those sorts of things. But I didn't. No, from everything that I've done at uni, I didn't do any, anything on writing. Yeah, wow, well, extraordinary. Well, I don't. Well, a lot of authors haven't. I don't think. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, 
You've done very well. It's Sarah Barry. Uh, the book is called Vendetta and it's out now. And thank you so much for chatting with us and good luck with book four. Oh, thank you so much, Cheryl. I appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.